Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. This is the Feminist Podcast. I'm Ajlene. And I'm Gracie. And I have completely infuriated Ajlene. Yeah. Yeah, you did, bitch. Um, (laughs) Not really. (laughs) <laughs> well, the reason we started off with a prayer today is... I feel like I should have been like, glory be to the mother and to the daughter, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Fuck the yeah, patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but today we're going to be talking about Jesus Camp, and we're going to do things a little differently. Because Jesus Camp is a documentary, and because of that, we're not going to do any tests like we normally do. And we're just going to kind of talk about what happens because there's no real narrative. We're just going to talk about some of the things that are said. Um, And a lot of it is going to relate to me because I grew up in a place that was very, very similar to the sorts of things that you see in this movie. It's disturbing. It made Ashley go, Gracie, I fucking hate you. (laughs) And I hate this movie. And it, it it doesn't necessarily terrify you as much as it makes you sick to your stomach when you it, see this. Especially it terrifies me. me now because I know how much... Like, this movie was made over 10 years ago, and I know how worse it, it has gotten. Yeah. Um, I'll, I will give you a few stats. Uh, not much, because this is a documentary, so there's no actors. Um, it was... It came out in 2006 has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 87% critical and 80% audience. So it does fairly well in both. Um, No budget was listed, but it had a box office of about $902,000, which is really good for a documentary. And it also has a very strong presence online. It was nominated for Best Documentary Oscar. Um, Well, I mean, I was able to find it on Vimeo of all places. Yeah. Uh, in a couple of places without having to worry about, does this site have a virus? Yeah. At this point, um, I really don't give a fuck about my one computer, so pff, whatever. <laughs> um, it was directed by Heidi Ewing and Rachel Grady. They both worked on The Boys of Baraka and Detropia together. Heidi Ewing also worked on Makers, Women Who Make America, and she also did a segment on the movie Freakonomics, um, which was the can a ninth grader be bribed to succeed? Oh, okay. So that, Which I so remember that movie. Yeah, Freakonomics is one of my favorite documentaries. Honestly, we should so do weird. that. Yeah, we should do that movie at some point. Freakonomics is interesting because it's it's amazing what math can influence and how it can track things without you realizing it. Which, I hate math, but I love that movie. So. Yeah. Um. So basically, what this movie does is it sets up uh, all of these families uh you have levi who is 12 his family you have um rachel she's nine uh and her family and then we also have tori who's 10 and we talk about her family a little bit and these are the three main characters i guess as far as the children the the most prevalent presence of adults are the radio dj guy whose name is uh um, shit. What's his name? I wrote it down. 
let me just find uh, it. What's his name? Oh, uh, Mike. It's... Mike Papin Papantio, Papantonio. Mike Papantonio and Becky Fisher. Now, Mike Papantonio um, works for a uh, radio show called Ring of Fire. He is a Christian, but he is not an evangelical Christian. There is a huge difference. Um, and then we have Becky Fisher, who is in charge of Children's Gospel Ministries, and she is a huge evangelical Christian. And what this movie does... Is oh, basically explain what evangelical Christianism, what evangelical Christian is, and it's. it's how, awful. how do you how do you explain it? So, like you know, for for those of us who, um, for example, myself, um, what what is the difference between say this and I don't know Catholicism. I didn't say that right. Well, I don't in evangelical fuck. Christianism, Catholicism is not seen as a true religion. They put it in the same level as Islam. <sighs> yeah, there are a lot of Jack Trick tracks. Um, if you don't know what a Jack Trick Jack Chick track is, it's these little tiny pamphlets which you see in the movie. The one girl, uh, Rachel, giving out to people. Yeah. And reading. Um, it's these little tiny comic books that are supposed to help you get saved. But they're a lot of times really racist and awful. Like, one that I remember was called Flight 144. And I showed this one to Ashleen when we talked about doing Christian Movie Month. Yeah. And it was about these two Christian missionaries and this guy that committed murder on a plane. And the guy who had committed murder had um, been saved. And as the plane crashes... He gets to go to heaven because he was saved, while the two missionaries, because they were not perfect Christians, um, they were sent to hell. Yeah, because, okay, now, like, I know it because uh, I've, um, I know about Dark Dungeons, and because uh, that one uh, came out that as a film. That hilarious. Yeah, that, it came out as a <laughs> film, but, like, the actual comic came out, I want to say the 80s, and it's basically denouncing <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons as, like, this evil cult thing, which is fucking hilarious. It's uh, like, Susie's part, Susie's gonna go play Dark Dungeons. <laughs> Susie's being initiated into a satanic cult full of witches. <laughs> That's what they're really up to. <laughs> That actually sounds like it would be a fun Monday. Honestly, that sounds like a really great campaign. <laughs> Which is like, re yeah, no kidding. But like, you really do think about it because it did come out during that like weird time in American history uh, where there was the satanic panic, right? Yeah, and, like, like the late 70s to early 90s, like that 15 year span was basically everything is a satanic cult. And that's the thing. I definitely, like, I remember that as a child, like, because my mom was always interested in that sort of shit. Not like my mom was a Satanist, so no. <laughs> but, like, she was just interested in, like, I don't know, weird shit. Like, she loves murder docu documentaries, which is much, much more common these days, right? Like, everybody loves a good Netflix murder documentary. But, like, she was watching this shit, like, while we were growing up on A&E. Oh, you watch Robert Stack episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, yeah. Every, every other episode, there's, like, 
we believe that something might be involved with this with Satanism or a satanic cult or drug dealers. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, or um <laughs> or that other one, um America's most wanted. <laughs> right. Fuck. We believe something might be involved with a satanic cult or drug dealers. Literally every single true crime, unsolved mysteries, America's most wanted, forensic files thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the, it's so prevalent. Those are your two choices. <laughs> so prevalent. Um, yeah, so that... <laughs> so go on with uh, what the difference is. For... Well, with evangelical Christians, um, they are a very politicized sect of Christianity. They are very, very strict, very religious. Is Mike very... Pence one? Huh? Is Mike Pence one? Yes. Okay. I would consider Mike Pence an evangelical Christian. He's also one of those people that believes in the Billy Graham rule, which was about, which is what inspired the movie Old Fashioned that we discussed last week. Fuck. Yeah, uh, by the so... way, I am drinking vodka today. <laughs> you need it. <laughs> um. So evangelical Christians, they are very strict. There are very set rules that you have to follow. And you are seen as someone who has to proselytize, um, which is speak the word of God to others and bring them to your side. You have to constantly work at bringing in more Christians. Um, This whole movie talks about how uh, we're at war. That's literally how they think. That they're at war in a war of values. And they believe that their values are far more important than anything you have to offer if you do not believe in them. And you can believe in Christ, but not be a good Christian. And they will judge you for it, even though in the Bible it says not to do that, but (laughs) whatever. Yeah, so... um. So, like, this can... starts off, well, I mean, we can kind of go through the timeline a little bit, and um, it kind of starts off with uh, Sandra um, Day O'Connor has retired, and Bush is appointing uh, Chief Justice uh, Samuel uh, Alito. Alito. Alito? The whole thing, the whole thing is, is uh, there's these um, establishing shots, and there's radio cl- clutter, Yeah, you know? And it's kind of going through different things to try and set the scene. Sandra Day O'Connor's retiring. Bush gets to appoint someone. We talk. We hear uh, pastors talk about how Bush is anointed by God. Um, and then we meet uh, Mike, who is kind of like a main character. He kind of is the opposition to Becky Fisher. Uh, well, and- he's just... Uh, like, the way I hear it is he's telling it like it is, right? That... You know, like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Well, exactly, because this is something that we are seeing today is that the religious right or the alt right or whatever is dividing the country and they're using the toxic Christianity. He's like, we need to go to war. George Bush is a holy man that's been anointed. And this entanglement of politics and religion, like, He's very against that. He's like, we have separation of church and state for a reason. And the fact that there's so much evangelicalism being leaked into our politics is going to fuck us over. Like, that's his whole stance. And considering this movie was made 12 years ago, and we're looking at what he was talking about, 
it's fucking true. Look at where we are now. We are worse off now as far as that divide than oh, we well, were when very, this movie was made. Well, this it's very prevalent right now. Like there is mm-hmm. a there is a culture war going on right now and it uh it is seeping into into canadian culture too like it's seeping everywhere it it feels the difference from i would say 2015 to 2000 and now 2000 and now (laughs) i was today years old (laughs) you shut your mouth 2018 it's 2018 and like Whoever's like listening, you know, ahead of time. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say um, there it's it's like you can make like cornerstone. Like, you know, there's a before Columbine and after Columbine. Yeah. There's a before 9-11 and an after 9-11. I would go as far to say there is a before Donald Trump and an after Donald Trump. Because yeah. even though there was divisiveness during the Obama years, like, the Obama years are, like, kind of, like, the super beginning of it. Like, Obama being president really put this to work White way people more. were afraid. Yeah, I mean, there's a moment in this movie at the end of it where one of the girls, Rachel, is um, going around with her friends, in, and they're trying to convert people, and she goes over to this group of black men and she says something to the effect of, um, if you died today, would you get into heaven? And the black man says, yes, I would. I believe I would. And she's like, oh, you think you would? And he's like, yeah, I would. And as they're walking away, as they're walking away, she looks at her friends and says, I think they're Muslims. Yeah, that was like a moment where I was like, bitch no like so this is 2006 so that same little girl is now old enough to vote (laughs) well it will exactly because she was 10 then that was 12 years ago so she would be uh 22 she's in college she's in college she's she's in her later age of of like college or where if she's not finished with college she's just graduated and and we also think of like you know because there is that you know before 9-11 uh after 9-11 right and like the way people talked about uh islam before 9-11 and then after 9-11 is so there are people who are 18 years old they are turning 18 years old who have never who've lived in a world where like muslim people have been treated like shit. Exactly. And this is going to drag us into the main, main character person of this documentary. (sighs) And her name is Becky Fisher. She is a child pastor. Mm -hmm. And she has this idea. Okay. She's like, do you know that Muslims train their children from five years old to fast during the month of Ramadan? Like, why aren't we doing that? Um, Which is not true, by the way. It's a very huge generalization. Um, Ramadan is a completely... uh, Well, it's a... It's a month. Well, it's a month of like, it's like a holiday for them. Yeah, it's it's a holiday. It's a holy month. And it's not like they're not eating for 30 days. They just don't eat between sunrise and sunset. Yeah. And 
it's also, you don't have to do Ramadan if you don't want to, unless you live in an extremely strict part of the Muslim world, which there are extremely strict parts of the Christian world as well, that could just be just as toxic. Like, she acts like Islam is the only religion that has toxicity to it when every religion has parts of it where it is very toxic, very misogynistic, very horrible, you know? Yeah. Um, one of the things that they also start doing, because she, when she's saying all this stuff, she is in front of, like, a youth, uh, child's thing, and she, they start speaking in tongues. Oh, yeah, okay, so, like, this was the part, uh, first of all, they did this, um, they had a bunch of kids who were, like, dressed up in, like, uh, military attire, dancing yeah. or whatever, and, um, it says here that uh, Gracie did skits like this. So I did. Tell me, I did. tell me what that was like. Well, when I was in a Christian school, because I went to a Christian school that had evangelical Christians as the front, uh-huh. um, we did this one skit that I remember in particular where it was like a Western. And one of the kids was Satan, and the other one was a sheriff of god and they had a shootout and satan dies and like we used fake toy guns and everything oh that's the one i remember so (laughs) okay yeah like so we did skits like this maybe not this particular one but we did do skits where we dressed up and we acted out these crazy scenarios that were meant to say hey Fuck you, Satan. So, <laughs> um, and, and that's a that's a thing. Like I've I've done skits too, and like, okay, so I didn't go to church. I was raised Catholic, but I didn't go to church um, because my parents like my dad didn't believe in it. My dad's always been kind of agnostic, anyways, right? And then my mom only sent us to Catholic school because my. Um, my grandma really wanted us to go. And I think my mom's always been like, eh, I really don't care much about religion either. But, you know, we kind of believe in God. Right. But and like she taught us, you know, certain like, you know, uh, good Christian like morals and shit like that. Right. But um, yeah. in Catholic school, like, you know, we do around Christmas time, we do the baby Jesus shit, right? And then uh, Easter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, Easter, we, the signs of the, or like whatever, the things of the cross, which the 13, I don't know. It's been a while. But uh, whatever. I was, uh, I had confirmation. So I'm like a real Catholic or something. I've cool. been to the Van- Vatican, whatever. Well, I'm just kidding. I'm the worst <laughs> Catholic ever. But, like, this kind of stuff, it's it's an indoctrination tool. And this woman, she's very upfront about it. She's like, hell yeah. yeah. She goes, I can go into a playground. This is after this conference with all these kids. Um, yeah. She's talking about how I can go into a playground of kids that don't know anything about Christianity, lead them to the Lord in a matter of just no time at all, and just moments later, they can be seeing visions and hearing the voice of God because they are so open. They are so usable in Christianity. A third of the world is children. We should weaponize children like those in Islam do. She looks at those videos of ISIS or Al-Qaeda or Taliban 
Okay, and sees so... them using five and six year olds and thinks that's a great idea. Which is really kind of fucked up. Um, so like the other thing that she uh, she kind of mentions here too is first of all, she goes onto a playground a random playground to go and convert kids to to Christianity. I'm sorry, but like if fucking Becky walked onto a playground to talk to kids, like I would hope that their mothers would be like, um, bitch, get the fuck away from my child. I honestly think she was bullshitting because oh, she there is to. no way There's no fucking that way. she is doing that. What, like, you, not you fucking, like that. Like, what kind of weird pedophile shit is that? <laughs> she also said something about it's no wonder with that kind of intense training that these kids in Palestine do and that discipline that those young people are ready to kill themselves for the cause of Islam. I want to see young people who are just as committed to the cause of Jesus Christ as the young people are to the cause of Islam. I want to see them as radically laying down their lives for the gospel as they are over in Pakistan and Israel and Palestine. That is the shit that places. fucking cult leaders say. Like, huh? That that is the sort of shit that like Jim Jones was saying. Yeah, and she's like, you know, because we have, excuse me, but we have the truth. Like, those were her exact words. She makes no bones about what her motivations are. None. Like, she wants to weaponize and create an army of children. Like, this The same way as extremist Islamic groups do. And, and that honestly sounds like a crusade. Like that's is that what they think that this oh, is a yeah, crusade? Definitely, like the, the crusade, crusading, and um, victory at the cross and stuff like that's the kind of shit that I was raised on. Like, um, also, in, did you speak in tongues? We are in, in a war, and you are a crusader. Um, did you speak in tongues? No, never. I never. When you speak in tongues, it's like supposed to be like you're invoked in the spirit. Yeah. Which means, like, you feel the spirit's heavy presence and you just, you start speaking supposedly an ancient language. Um, I never felt invoked in the spirit enough for that. I think I was just too old at the time that I started learning this shit for it to have any dent. Because most of these kids grew up from the time they were infants, you know, in these kind of churches. Whereas I didn't start going to a church like this until I was seven or eight. So oh, okay. Yeah, because, like, the way that they're speaking, it really just, it, it feels, like, gibberish to me. Like, I don't know if, like, growing up, we've all kind of done that, like, gibberish or, like, gibberish mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, you know, blah, 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 or whatever. Um, And, like, I used to do that when I was six, but not because I was speaking in tongues, because I was a kid just, you know, making jokes. And then also my dad used to make this awful joke. Um, where he would do that, and then he would say, "I'm speaking Italian," and oh, he, and he fucking stopped that because I went to my Italian teacher named uh, Mrs. Mrs. Giacomazza, and uh, and was like, "Oh, I'm talking." I would do that, and then I was like, "I'm talking Italian." Oh Jesus! See, uh, <laughs> don't teach your children things because they will go and tell yeah, other it, people. She does. This Becky woman does have it right. Like kids' brains, they soak it up, and if mm-hmm. you start young enough, yeah. I mean, it's just like 
after she talks about this, she meets these two kids in the hallway, and one of them is going to be one of our main character kids. His name is Levi. And she's like, oh, how long have you two been saved? Do you believe in Jesus? And the one kid is like, um, what the fuck? Where Levi is like, yeah, I've been saved since I was five years old. Like, you are not capable of understanding the difference between right and wrong and understanding your beliefs at five. I was, quote-unquote, saved when I was nine. And I can tell you right now that I was not old enough to understand the implications of what I was saying. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I... I had my confirmation, uh, which is something that they do in Catholicism, right, Um, at 12. And I think back to that, and I was sure as fuck not mature enough to know what I was doing. If I had a choice now, I wouldn't have have been confirmed. Yeah. Um, So it it gives us some statistics. This is that 43% of all evangelical Christians become born again before age 13, and it's because they are raised in an evangelical Christian environment most well, of the time. Well, yeah, because you, uh, you think about it, like, let's say your parents get become born-again Christians or whatever, right? Of course, they're going to indoctrinate you to become a born-again Christian if you're, like, you know, five or whatever. Exactly. Um, so we go to Levi's house in the movie. Yeah. And we see that he is watching something called Creation Explorer, which is a creationism TV show that basically says that science doesn't prove anything. Yeah. Um, was, and- his the, was his the mother who was like saying that, oh, and this is a really interesting part where it says that, um, uh, that um, science. Global warming. <laughs> no, That's that like science. Yeah. First of all, global warming's not a thing. Uh, and then also science isn't right or something along those lines yeah and he she basically leads with the questions and then he answers like he's parroted them right from the book he's not really learning anything he's being indoctrinated into this think process he's not thinking for himself she's giving leading questions and he is answering them the way he has been taught to answer them there is no free think (laughs) um she also brings up this hypothetical about a teacher who was like, what if a teacher told some kid that creationism is stupid? First of all, a teacher would never fucking do that. And it is possible to believe in evolution and intelligent design at the same time. Yeah. Creationism is a little different. But intelligent design means that there is basically something that happened to create all that we have. And intelligent design means that there is a creator, which is fine because if you read the book of Genesis and you put it to what the theory of evolution is, you will see what is written in the book matches up with how the world evolved from the Big Bang. It is not that these two things are so separate. There is actually biblical words that match the the evolution argument. Which isn't an argument, it's pretty much settled theory. So, well, like, I mean, the idea, because what it says in the Bible that, like, oh, God created something in in one day or whatever. But I, I don't know about I, you, but, like, God is an infinite being who's been around since, what's like... What's a what, day to him? Yeah, what's a day to him? Maybe it's maybe it's a thousand years, maybe it's uh, ten, a hundred thousand years. Like, we don't know. It, a million years, like... Exactly. And if you look at the Bible, it talks about how 
first light came and then the oceans and then the 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 land came up from the oceans and then the land was filled with vegetation and then it was filled with you know beasts and then it was filled with man well follow evolution you go from there being nothing to a big huge bang then you get one continent and life and microorganisms which were uh you know the first creatures were land and sea according to the bible and then or were air and sea according to the bible yeah so in evolution the first creatures were sea, like horseshoe crabs and shit. And then um, you see that the next thing that came was vegetation on the earth. Well, the vegetation on the earth happened. Life evolved in order to give creatures, you know, life in this vegetation, not just in the sea. So, like, it is entirely possible to believe in intelligent design and also believe in evolution. And those two things do not have to, like, be at war with each other. Mm-hmm. But according to evangelical Christians, like in this movie, the Earth is only 6,000 years old. Which is insane to think about. How can it be How can it be 6,000 years old when like the Egyptians have, you know, aren't they like 7,000? 10,000. I think the earliest known um human like which is Mesopotamia. Yeah, which Mesopotamia was, like, 11,000 B.C. or 10,000 B.C., something like that. But, like, the oldest known skeleton of a human being is, like, almost 20,000 years old. Wow. Or something very close to a human being. Huh. Well, yeah. So, So but, but science doesn't prove anything. Science is based on belief. What is Christianity based on? What is Christianity based on? Like, that kind of thinking is so dumb to me. What is Christianity based on? Christianity relies on faith to exist, like any other religion. Yeah. Um, And it also Also, says, like, they said that uh, Galileo gave up science for Christ. And, like, the truth is that um, he gave up science because he, he was going to, yeah, like he was going to get executed otherwise. So, I mean, science or, you know, being dead, like, I mean, there's, you know, or be life. There's a great comedy album called God Hates Anne by Stuart Huff, where his entire premise of that comedy album is in throughout history, you either believe the scientist or you kill them. Mm-hmm. And it's he gives plenty of examples of like the one guy discovered um, he he said that oxygen was a thing and they went to his church and burned it down, which was funny because in order for fire to burn, you need oxygen. Fuck. <laughs> so that's like okay. Um, this woman also says that our nation were fa- was founded on Judeo-Christian values. She's like, prayer got taken out of school, and then the schools fell apart. And now the rest of us are going, where did our country go? When she said that, I thought, wow, this movie could have been made two months ago. Exactly. Okay, because, like, <sighs> Christians... Where did our country go? It mm. harkens back to Trump's, we want our country back. Make America well, great th- again. That's what, like, I've heard this before. The idea of nostalgia is very, very dangerous, and I, and it's fucking popular right now. 
Uh, but I'm not talking about, oh, and only 90 kids know this. I'm talking about the nostalgia of like, oh, remember back in the day when it was good? No, it wasn't fucking good back in the day because not everything was good. Like, yeah, maybe the 90s or the 80s or whatever was great for you because you were a white you're a white guy or like a white kid growing up in the 90s. But like there's you know, you weren't a gay man in the 80s. You weren't like you weren't a gay man in the 90s. Yeah. You weren't gay until 2007 plus. Yeah. So and like even then it's it, well, it's that's bad. A, even even now it's like it, it feels like it's being reverted back um, from. <sighs> I'm just really pissed off. OK, <laughs> like, yeah, like everything is just movie, reverting back and it's like what the fuck is happening like like all these minorities have like worked their fucking asses off to like oh i don't know be treated like human fucking beings and then it just gets like okay this 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 episode that we're doing right now is going to come out after the election we are we are really ahead of time like we are really we're like a month ahead of when this election is supposed to happen in in the u.s in our midterms and um as of right now it's uh like the second week in October. And we just found out that Brett Kavanaugh, one of the first things he did when he got on the Supreme Court was to agree that um, Native Americans who aren't allowed really to have, if they live on a reservation, they cannot have a street address. Well, in North Dakota, there is a law where if you do not have a street address on your license, which you need to vote, you do not get to vote. So he basically helped to uphold a ruling that disenfranchises every Native American that lives on a reservation or has a P.O. box instead of an actual street address. Yeah. That's... Fucking yeah. The f- Native Americans, by the way, were not given the right to vote until the 70s. Yeah. The 70s. And now they're the first ones to start losing their ability to vote because of racist, uh, you know, ID laws for voting. Yeah. And and it it's it's just going to get worse. Like exactly. you had a whole list uh on there on Facebook of uh the different things that are changing right now and it's like they are cheating to win. They really are. Like that's the only way that these evangelicals are able to do it. And it's because they have had a plan in place. I'll give them that. Like this movie, that plan was in place 10 years before this movie ever came out. Honestly, I think that um, we should just do it. You guys should just do it Canadian style and burn down the White House. I mean, what? (laughs) It's basically death by a thousand cuts, you know? Yeah. Like, that's what I put in my notes. It's it's death by a thousand cuts. You are, it's slowly eating away at everything. And even at the end of the movie, when Becky talks to Mike, the DJ, guy you know yeah she's like yeah um democracy is just temporary you know like who gives a shit like that doesn't matter only what god says matters so basically what she is saying is uh fuck democracy uh they're just basically like they're working towards having um what's the word Uh, they're doing the same thing that extremist islam groups do yeah and while they hate extremist islam groups for doing it they're doing the exact fucking same thing 
Yeah. Now, 25% of America at this point in time in this movie describe themselves as evangelical. I'm pretty sure the number is about the same. It might be up or down a little bit. Um, I do know that this year when they did uh, a thing, they said that there are actually more Americans that consider themselves agnostic or don't ascribe to a certain religion mm-hmm. as compared to later years, most especially in younger generations, like my generation and the generation underneath Ashlane and I. Do um, you, what do you consider yourself? I consider myself a Christian, but... Not in the way, like I, which we'll get into. I've had, I had a huge crisis of faith, um, after a certain thing happened to me, which I'll get into later. Um, but because of that crisis of faith, I went back and forth. I considered myself agnostic, atheist for a while, especially in high school. But then after high school, I kind of just came to this realization that I can be a Christian, but I was going to be my own Christian. I wasn't going to be an organized religion because of what it had done to me. Mm-hmm. So, and I feel like there are a lot of people like me in my generation who are like that. Um, yeah. One of my coworkers, who's the same age as me, very similar, very similar crisis of faith. Um, she's Presbyterian. She went through a huge thing. She she doesn't go to church anymore. I don't go to church. I refuse to go to church. Yeah. Um. So there's that. I mean, I haven't taken communion since I was 13. <laughs> so. There's also uh, this one little girl. Her name is Rachel. She's nine, and uh, she's reading a chick track, which we had earlier talked about, right? Yeah. And that was uh, fun. <laughs> she ends up going up to this one blonde lady who is just chilling Mind out. Her own she, business yeah, at she's at a bowling alley. Exactly. She's trying to enjoy her time at a bowling alley. Like maybe her husband's like doing some bowling. I don't know. She's just doing her own thing, and uh, yeah, this like this little girl comes up to her and like is like do you want your like life saved you know i'm trying like, to save jesus you for jesus and he said that you needed like these words to help you and this woman bless her she just like smiles politely and goes oh thank you but then like when rachel the little nine-year-old walks away like her eyes are like okay that was weird <laughs> well because that's what i would do too like I, I don't know if you've had somebody come up to you with like yeah oh Mormons. okay pardon Mormon. Mormons oh yeah well I mean who hasn't had a Mormon you know come it's to the their house thing except it's a child you're you're polite because you don't want to be mean well yeah and then when it's over you're like Jesus why did the fuck did they just like I actually alone? and that's the thing I'm usually too polite like I had some Mormons come up to the door and I was just like oh yeah I'll totally take you know your Bible here's my but phone number Oh, yeah, they wanted to talk, but I was like, oh, I'm just headed out to work. Like, I was not. Um, But then I was like, well, here's my number, and you guys can call me up later. And I gave them a fake number. (laughs) Like, Oh, God. (laughs) Um, Another girl we meet. Oh, oh, well, after she does this, she walks up to her dad, and she's like, yeah, I decided, you know, that she needed it. And he's like, well, that was good of you. You know, you at least you were obedient. Oh, Yeah. That was. He said, "Wait to be obedient." I was like, "Ugh." Ugh." Oh, which is such a weird fucking thing. And like, so then we we meet Tori. Well, yeah, I was. But everybody calls her Tori. She's. I was gonna. I was gonna say something because, like, the whole way to be obedient thing just had like screams purity ball sort of shit. Oh yeah, that's a huge thing in evangelical Christianity. Yeah. Huge. 
fucking huge. Did you we ever go to a purity someone... ball? <laughs> we actually had someone uh, find something about them, like, yesterday. Uh, and oh, he's like, that's... They're fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, no, but I, I do ask this question. You can Because you're the expert. Did you ever go to a purity ball? No. Oh, no. okay. Thank um, God. Uh, first of all, I don't have that great of a relationship with my father. At least at that point, um, he was, he was, uh, he was a substance abuser. He did not go to church at all. It was only my mom and my brother and I that went to church. Um, but our church actually didn't participate in purity balls. Like we had father daughter dances, but my particular church did not do purity balls. We were a very small country church, only had about a hundred members. So, purity balls are really <laughs> gross. Huh? They're they're totally fucking gross. They it's are. like the going... whole idea of pledging to not have sex with anyone and like promise rings with your dad and the girl wears white. Like it's almost like the daughter is marrying or the father is marrying his daughter. It's fucking weird. Yeah. Ugh. It just screams pedo. And a lot of those girls were being are being abused by their fathers while they're doing this. So Yeah. Ugh. Um so then you were saying we meet Tori who's ten. She's a dancer. Um she likes She likes Christian heavy metal. Hell yeah, girl. <laughs> are you are you being facetious? No, I love like Okay, I ha- I grew up on Christian music, right? Like, Christian heavy metal is awesome because it's not necessarily talking about Jesus or God or anything like that. Um, but it's got a good riff to it. Like, it's it's palatable. <laughs> you know? Okay. Uh, no, so. I don't know. Because no. I, d- I wasn't raised on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, she says that she's not a big fan of pop music and she, you know, names off uh, Lindsay Lohan and then also Britney Spears, which Boy, I will say, this movie. yeah, which I will say about Britney Spears. She is a good Christian woman, especially during this time period. Leave her alone. OK, she's just trying to live her life. Leave yeah. Um, but also she, this was like the weirdest part about Tori's she's self-conscious, uh, because she says that she needs to dance for God and not for the flesh. She's fucking 10 years old, like 10, no 10 year old is dancing for the flesh. She's not a fucking strip. She's 10. That is a talking point that someone related to her. Like, they watched a Britney Spears video where Britney dances sexy, and they're like, she's dancing for the flesh. You can't do that. When you dance, you have to dance for God. And so she gets self-conscious about her dancing, where she probably feels like she's showing off too much. Yeah. You know? Like, that's the kind of toxic masculinity that is in evangelical Christianity. And, like, Um, and I'm sure... That that's how, like, I'm sure that there's plenty of people who can relate to that, you know, one way or another where, you know, an older uh, woman or um, somebody Even mentioned. Men. Pardon? Even men. Like. Yeah. Well, like. I was I... told. Oh, go oh, on. Like, when I was eight, nine years old, I was told to dress a certain way because mm-hmm. at that point I was, I was an early, early bird, oh, you know, oh, as far as oh. development. Um, I couldn't wear certain pieces of clothing because it wasn't right I was doing it for the flesh you know that kind of thing it's just when I look back on it now like there's a lot of red flags and there's some 
stuff that has happened where I was like, oh, now I don't, I cannot recall a time where I was maybe straight up molested, um, but I do know that I went to a camp just like this one, and I cannot remember a lot of that camp, and there were a lot of male counselors, and considering my intimacy issues and my, I hate being touched, like, it's one of the things that I cannot stand is to be touched. Um, it makes me wonder if that's something that I may be blacked out because of the toxic culture, you know. And all I remember about my time at camp were things like what's in this movie. Um, a lot of it I do not remember at all. And, um, like, I remember one particular guidance counselor guy, but I don't remember his name. I couldn't even remember what he looks like, to be honest. And it's just, you know, it's kind of stuff like that that you think about. Because when you when you go through shit like that as a kid, you shut out a lot. And I have a lot of dark spaces in my childhood. Maybe not necessarily from that sort of thing, but definitely from the shit that my parents went through. Because, uh, I mean, my, both of my parents were substance abusers. And uh, it's just, you, know, you never know. You know, and childhood trauma, like, you black out a lot of that shit. Yeah. So, there's there's no telling. But when I told Ashley that I had went to a camp, like, in this movie when I was a child, she was, like, mortified when she watched it. <laughs> well, because it is, it's horrifying that they're indoctrinate, indoctrinating kids like this. Um, so, one of the things that they do is they do, um, like, at the camp there's um like the pledge of the Le- pledge of allegiance which that's normal right that's what yeah, you do and then we have the pledge to the christian flag which is i pledge allegiance to the christian flag and to the savior for whose kingdom it stands one savior crucified risen coming again with life and liberty for all who believe holy shit. i didn't remember that one i do remember the bible pledge though and the Bible pledges, I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light upon my path and will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. So this is where it takes that patriotism, that nationalism, and infiltrates it into their religious teachings. Man, that is some fucked up shit. <laughs> it's like this, this is, is this is what is Nazis why, do. This is why evangelical Christianity thinks that it has the hand up on patriotism because it ties patriotism and nationalism to religion. Huh. There is no separation of church and state in evangelical Christianity. Yeah. Um <laughs> so it shows <laughs> it shows the kids on their first, you know, first day at camp. <laughs> Before they even get in there, though, Becky and her associates are praying oh, yeah. over the sanctuary. Yeah. She cracks me up. No microphone problems in Jesus' name. <laughs> Bless this PowerPoint presentation. Satan, we know that you are going to, you know, like, you like to mess things up with all this technical stuff when we're trying to get out the word, but you're not going to do that in Jesus' name. Like, I remember prayers like that. <laughs> like, that is... That's some weird shit. <laughs> well, like, the way I was thinking, I was like, yeah, of course she doesn't want this shit to mess up because she's making all that fucking dough from these Christian kids. I mean, no lie. Like, she's it, probably raking it in. Oh, yeah. Like, because, what, they had, like, 
at least 200 kids in there. At least, yeah. right? And let's at say least. they... With their families in yeah. some cases. Yeah, like, and like, let's say each of them... Because this shit's probably not cheap. Now, I'm sure that most of the churches pay for the kids to go, but let's say they're about to go to a camp for a week. It's probably a good thousand bucks. Oh, easily. Also, this church, this this camp was different than the one I went to. The one I went to was strictly children mm-hmm. um, between the ages of 6 and 14. Oh, okay. Um, and I was 9, I want to say. Um, again, a lot of that shit is blocked out, so I don't remember exactly how old I was. I remember going, and I remember a lot of parts about it, but I don't remember exactly how old I was. I want to say I was about 9. Um, and... <laughs> We went and we stayed in cabins, four girls to a cabin with a female uh, counselor. Um, and we were there for a whole week. I think it cost my mom like $1,200 easily. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. Um, but, like, this is where everything except for the families, this kind of shit happened. Um, first day you get there and they do, like, a church service. You know, basically... Um, an orientation. Yeah. And Becky gets up there in the movie and she starts talking about how the devil uses tactics to destroy you and your life. They tempt you. You know, like, it starts out cute and cuddly and you think it's harmless, but it turns into this big, huge thing that's going to eat you alive. Yeah, and the way she's, like, talking about these kids, she's like, you guys... Oh, wait, no, I'm not going to... Getting too too far ahead. I was gonna talk about the hypocrites part, but, but yeah, like there's one part before the the most viral part of this movie was when she did her rant on Harry Potter. This is the one. This is the scene that made people laugh and go, "Oh my fucking god!" Because she goes, "Warlocks are an enemy of God, and I don't care what kind of hero they are. They are an enemy of God. And had it been in the Old Testament, Harry Potter would have been put to death." You don't make heroes out of warlocks. Uh, bitch, he is a wizard. Doesn't matter. Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. All I have to say about that whole thing, right? Because this was something I definitely remember from when, like, the movies were coming out. That, um, that, like, there were people who were not allowed to watch it. And, uh, I loved Harry Potter growing up. And my mom, like... My mom used to read the books to us. Like, we all loved it. It was like a family communal thing, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, when the movies were coming out, like, this was a very exciting time. And um, I would watch, like, they had these whole, like, I want to say Entertainment Tonight segments, right, about just the movie. And one of the things, or like hour-long segments. And, like, one of them that they would talk about was the fact that, like, oh, there's some people out there that don't allow their children to watch uh, Harry Potter because of the devil. I was like, not the one devil. of those children, by the way. My mom was a liberal kind of person. Yeah. As far as that, she was like, Gracie, you know, even when we were going through that phase where we were into the evangelical Christianity, she understood that I knew the difference between real and fiction. Okay. Well, thank God. Like, I knew that Harry Potter and magic were not real. Yeah, but some people fucking don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> but at the same time, like Jesus would have been executed because his miracles were magic. Like he was yeah. executed, but not necessarily for that. He was executed for heresy. But 
Um, and then they also, they also, uh, she starts like calling the kids hypocrites and she's like, you say all those swear words at school or whatever. And there's like this one kid, the blonde one, right? Who is that poor kid. Like you have to know. Okay. Not, I'm not like saying that he is, but like there are probably kids in there that are gay or whatever. Like. they are different and they like you you can see in some of their faces that they fucking know that they are different and they are torturing themselves over this because yeah, we actually his name is his name is really funny actually his name is um andrew and his last name is summer camp it's not a joke really (laughs) his last name is it's uh s-u-m-m-e-r-k-e-m-p Okay. Summer camp. Oh, okay. But it's funny because it's a summer camp. Yeah. That, but, um, like, you could tell that, like, God, he was... He, I felt so bad for him. But I, I was like that. Like, mm-hmm. I felt so guilty because I wouldn't speak in tongues. I couldn't get myself to do it. Like, and I, it, I wasn't going to fake it because I would be lying, you know? Yeah. So I never felt like I was doing it correctly. And, like, obviously I wasn't open enough. Like, I never cried when we did prayers and stuff. And, like, people would be, like, that one little girl at the beginning of the movie who's on the cover of the, the DVD, like, yeah. sobbing with her hands up. I, I never did that. Yeah. And so I felt super guilty about that shit as a child. <laughs> yeah. You know, but... and it that that absolute guilt, it punishes you. It's emotional abuse is what it is. And like the pain it puts you through. I didn't feel like I was a good Christian when I'm 8, 9 years old. Like I'm not supposed to have that level of responsibility that they're putting on these children's shoulders. And like, like there's a lot of churches that do do that. Um Oh, still. I mean like I remember growing up, like I I went through a Jesus phase where I was like really into Catholicism and uh mostly cuz like again, my parents weren't really like that harsh about it, but I had other relatives that were super into it and they would like you know uh like I really liked uh Mary like Mary the Virgin or whatever like I had like a little statue of her and I had like all these little you know relics or whatever from uh and uh for some reason I also thought that like my aspiration in life was to become a saint Oh. <laughs> well, because there was never a Saint Ageline, so I was like, "Oh, I could become a saint." I don't know what I'm yeah. gonna do to become a saint, but like, I could do it, <laughs> and then I'd be like famous or something. <laughs> uh, which is sinful. How dare you want fame and fortune? <laughs> That's like the story of my life, girl. Why do you think I, I do this podcast? I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so after this, they have what's known as a call to altar, where you basically go up and you um, you pray really hard. This is where the speaking in tongues happens again, where children are, like, fucking sobbing. Um, like, this is something that happens often, especially in revivals, where you have a call to altar, where people come up 
and they pray, and the pastor prays over you and holds your hand and puts the Bible on your head and stuff like this. Like, that kind of shit happened all the time when I went to church. Like, every other Sunday, at least. Sometime Wednesday night. Like, it would just happen organically. Like, if we sang a really deep song, like, we wouldn't even do a sermon. We'd have altar for an hour where people would be going up and praying over the people that were, you know, like, kneeling in front of the altar, fucking sobbing and praying, and it's that shit happened all the time, which I know, Ashley, in your face, it's probably like, holy fuck. <laughs> That's some fucked up shit. Fuck. This fucking movie. It was hard um, to watch. I just, yeah. I just stopped it's it a few for, times. It's hard for me to watch because I lived that shit. Like, a lot of the stuff that they do in this movie, I lived it. Um, um, okay, so, like, it starts showing parts of, um, uh, like of the the kids you know doing normal um summer normal summer camp, camp things like, like ghost, ghost story exactly and then like the counselor comes in and he's like i don't think these ghost stories is a good idea because it doesn't honor god and it's like thanks killjoy yeah like okay cool and then they have a prayer about abortion and sin before they eat breakfast the next day yeah and then they had like um there was these kids who were talking about you know harry potter again and the one's like i can't watch it because of witchcraft and then the other one was like well my mom doesn't let me watch it but i can at my dad's and the kids are like (gasps) around him look like horrified yeah (laughs) poor guy um then we focus on rachel again and rachel talks about something called dead churches This is, again, something that I was taught, where a dead church is a church where you just sit in a pew the whole time. You don't say amen. You just sit there and listen to the preacher tell a sermon after you sing a couple of songs. Whereas a church that is lively has the Spirit of God in it because the Spirit of God moves through everyone and it makes them want to jump up and down and speak in tongues and sing and cry and say amen. While like, I was watching fucking the, the whole dead churches thing, I was like thinking about it and I'm like, how dare you say that about the Anglican church? They are good people. Because <laughs> that's basically what it is like in England. <laughs> it's, well, Pentecostal churches, I think, like outside of African Methodist Episcopal, are the live they're the lively white church the pentecostals are they're yeah. the liveliest they're also some sex the sex of pentecostal holiness where they dance with snakes and shit so like snakes are cool <laughs> but like okay um, you don't dance with rattlesnakes okay <laughs> yeah so then we see levi again and he's uh, been asked to preach in front of the entire camp so he is writing a sermon and he's saying that um it, it he doesn't write it like the Lord flows through him while he's writing it and he like starts practicing it but then it like shows you know him practicing and then goes right into him actually doing it and I mean what a fucking great speaker for a 13 year old like holy yeah. shit but yeah um and then after he does his sermon they talk about righteous government and then they bring out a cup and they're like listen we have to, you know, make sure you understand that this is one nation under God. They bring out a cutout of Trump, of, of President Bush at the time, and they fucking surround him and start praying over him. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> At least I never prayed to a fucking cardboard cut cutout of George W. Bush, which was- I will say, 
Um, back then, everybody was like, George W. Bush is the worst. And now, He's still like, the fucking worst. But when you compare him to Trump, Trump, it's like. Well, I mean, now we th- like. Back then, we were like, oh, he's so dumb. He fucking, he's basically a monkey. And that's because he had evil people around him. Like, I think he was, like, a good guy, but no, mostly because he wasn't fucking doing anything. It was just all well, the people I around say, him. I say fuck him because he was calling and helping whip senators to vote yes on Brett Kavanaugh. So fuck him. Really? I did not know that. Really? Um, fuck, But now we think of him as, like, that old funny gentleman or whatever that paints dogs in fucking texas and passes gum to obama uh michelle obama at a funeral yeah i mean okay i get it he kind of looks like an adorable grandpa but he's still a evangelical republican yeah so it's like yeah he's kind of cute but at the same time he he did a lot to strip away the process and rights that you know, we're fucking yeah. in crisis because of him. So, like, I have no love for him. Yeah. Um, so, after this, this, um, after they pray over President Bush. Well, because they break guy, the cups, right? Yeah. Like, they take the hammers to break the cups. Yeah. And they're like, fuck righteous government. Yeah. Um, another call to alter, and they're like, this means war. This means war. Like, they start fucking chanting it. It was the fucking craziest thing. Yeah, and God, uh, America is supposed to be God's nation. Okay. Mm. Well, I think we kind of mixed it up. Like, I think the breaking cup things happen, and then the next night they do the President Bush thing. And after they finish with the President Bush thing, this man comes in, and like you can tell he's definitely someone that has worked with kids before because he can speak to them on their level without sounding stupid. Yeah. And um, he comes in, and he's like, before you were born, God knew you. And then the next thing you know, he's bringing out a little thing that shows fetuses in development and talking about how, you know, we have to be pro-life. Um, and since 1973, 50 million babies haven't had a chance to live. A third of your friends could be here right now. Like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> um, we didn't do the abortion segment at my church or at my camp. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. So and like this is um, so this isn't just evangelical Christians. Catholics also um, are are not pro-choice they're pro-life and um they which i think is a misnomer it really should be anti-choice um yeah i i believe so too and uh one of the things that uh i never went to a pro-life rally personally but my brother did uh back when he was in high school and uh the reason why he went was because he wanted to go and meet chicks Wow. Um, yeah, because I guess a few really uh, cute girls were also going, so that's why he went. So um, he didn't actually what a give great a great f- reason. Yeah, he didn't actually give a fuck about the cause, but I don't think I didn't really know all that much about abortion and what it was until many years later when I actually got the information about what exactly it was and the idea of abortion. I don't personally like it, but I won't shame somebody for having one. 
No, I feel the same way. Personally, I do not think a circumstance would come up where I would want one. If something happened and I couldn't take care of the baby, I would probably put it up for adoption. Adoption? Abortions. Yeah, adoption. That that would be my course of action if I had an unplanned pregnancy and I didn't have the means to take care of the child. Yeah, but the way yeah, I also... that's me. Yeah, that, well, that's the thing. That would be your choice. There's also the case of, you know, we have these people who care so much about the fetuses, right? But then they're also not doing anything about, oh, I don't know, um, after the child is born. What about all the children that are in foster care? What about all the children that... Like, Those kids they, don't matter, especially yeah. if they're black or brown. Yeah, exactly. So there's there's a lot of children who are not being taken care of, who are in the foster system, who are um, being being treated like shit. And like if their mothers had had the choice, it it probably would have been better. And that's an awful thing. It's an awful thing to say. But yeah, I don't think there's anyone that's, like, pro-abortion. All the abortions you could want, like it's fucking McDonald's or something. Yeah, we're not fucking but Oprah's, I, and, you know, giving out free abortion, like, to, like tickets. Like, that is... Like, two for one. No, that's yeah. not... That's if you not get eight abortions, you get one free. And there's this, like, stupid thing that people on the pro-life side like to say, like, abortion's on demand, like... First of all, in America, abortions are not covered by federal money. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to pay out of pocket for it, and it can be anywhere from $200 to $500, depending on what procedure needs to be done. Um, A lot of private insurances also do not cover abortion, except in the case of medical necessity. Um, They also have the stupid thing where they say late-term abortion. There there is no such thing as a late-term abortion. Yeah, that is called birth. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's that's called cesarean. Um, if it's a, quote, late-term abortion, most of the time there is severe risk of the mother or fetal death. Yeah. Like, there is no instance of abortion after 22 weeks where it's, it, at that point, it's a wanted pregnancy. Yeah, and wasn't the... There was a woman in Indiana who um, had a stillborn child, and wasn't she put she in jail? In j- she was put in jail for it, yeah, yeah, because they said that she murdered her. She Because Indiana, um, where Mike Pence is from, hmm. um, he was governor there. He uh, helped sign a law into being that um, women could be punished for having abortions. And she had a miscarriage and disposed of the fetus in a manner that wasn't exactly kosher to them, I guess. Um, Her name is something Patel. I know her last name is Patel. Uh, And because of how she disposed of the fetus, she was then tried for uh, manslaughter or murder or something like that. And um, as far as I know, is in jail. Um, So... Yeah, that's that's the kind of shit we're heading back to. Oh, and when Brett Kavanaugh was uh, put on the court, one uh, GOP person, one one Republican guy was like, oh, well, get ready to pull out your coat hangers. (sighs) So, yeah, uh, that's that's the thing. Like, this is a it's not a war like a cultural war. This is a war on women, on women. I said that word, but it is it is a war on women. Because everybody think like, 
that guy went and killed people at a Planned Parenthood because he was like, baby murderers. But the fact is, yeah, he was celebrated. But the fact is that Planned Parenthood uh, makes what? One percent of uh, of it is uh, abortions. Less than two percent of any procedure done at Planned Parenthood deals with abortion. Most of the time it is birth prevention via contraception. Yeah. Um, or looking at mammograms or uh, women's like, health in general. This is women's health. Like, we want to defund women's health. Are you fucking kidding me? Well, Brett Kavanaugh fucking thinks that birth control are abortion pills. Like, men have no fucking idea what they're talking about. Like, I have PCOS. I need my birth control just to keep my hormones regulated. And right now, I can't even fucking afford them because I don't have insurance. I can't afford $90 every month. Yeah. You know? Like, so I'm living without birth control, even though I need it because I can't afford insurance because this is America. And even though we're supposed to be pro-life, like, there's nothing in our structure that actually helps people that have children are and are financially strapped. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's a load of fucking bullshit and hypocrisy, which is why I cannot stand it. And see, like, this was part of the reason I had my huge crisis of faith is because I saw all this hypocrisy. So. Yeah, so. You know, and the camp ends after they have this, this thing. Where they have, like, red tape uh, over their mouths that say life on it. And that no one more. child is like, no more, no more, Lord, no more. And she is sobbing. Yeah. Righteous judges or something. Which, it is. One of the things I like to say is, uh, you know, that one guy, the guy is like, oh, well, you know, in the Bible, it says before you were, God knew you before you were formed in the womb. That is not talking generally. That is talking about a specific person in the Bible. And I believe that is Jeremiah. It's not saying it generally, but they cherry pick to make their thing. There is a actual reference, I think, in Numbers. Okay. I'm not exactly sure of the chapter and verse, but in Numbers, there is a part of it where they talk about if a woman is suspected of being unfaithful and she's with child, she goes to a priest with her husband, the priest gives her bitter water, and if she's guilty her insides will rot out between her legs so like they're in the bible it's perfectly okay to have an abortion if the woman is supposed to have been cheating on her husband yeah it's It's in there and gracie knows her fucking bible that's for sure i grew up in a place like this of course i fucking know it but that's something you don't pay attention to um also, according to the Bible, life doesn't begin until you draw breath. Huh. Um, so then camp is over, right, after that crying session, and we get to ring a fire again. Uh, and he starts, you know, talking about how um, the religious political army is out there, and uh, he's, you know, goes on to say death by a thousand cuts, right? And it is. And it's happening it's right now. Away by piece by piece, where you don't feel the effects of it until it's too late yeah um they also talk about how alito is a huge evangelical christian who's outspoken against abortion he ends up getting confirmed yeah you know 
Uh, we also meet Ted Haggard, who is a televangelist preaching about how Alito is necessary to bring the U.S. back to God. Now, the thing about Haggard is, at the same time that this movie came out, he was shunned from that church because it was found that he was having sex with a male prostitute for three years and doing crystal meth with him, and he came out in 2011 and said, well, I'm bisexual. Huh. I did not know that. So he's talking about hypocrisy and sin and all of this shit, um, which, according to evangelical Christianity, it is a sin to be gay. All the while, he is being a hypocrite and having sex with a male prostitute and doing drugs. Is he still... um... A minister? Yeah, he he ministers now at a place called St. James Church, um, but it's less sin-focused than New Life Church was. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and he still lives in Colorado City. Colorado City is this huge hub of big tele-evangelical uh, like megachurches. Which I never understood that shit, okay? Because you have these guys that come on TV and they're like, give money for the Lord, right? Yeah, and they're buying gospel dudes. Yeah, and they're buying all of this shit um, for for themselves with that money. Like, oh, yeah, what... like that one guy, Creflo Dollar. He's one of my favorites. He's like, I need a new jet, even though I already have two where I can minister to the Lord. Why the fuck does Joel Osteen have a 20-bedroom house? Yeah, like, that's... you. Yeah, that money is going straight to, like, the Lord. No, it's going to that fucking guy. And all guy. you have to do, all you have to do in your taxes is say, it's for the church. Then it's tax-free. Which is fucking disgusting. Because yeah. there are... There are and these are the guys who are saying, you know, pro-life, pro-life, right? Where they could take that fucking money and all the money that they're fucking getting, right? And uh, maybe put it towards, like, actual good stuff. Hell, but they're you don't not. you have to have the money. Joel Osteen wouldn't even fucking open his church to Harvey victims until public pressure forced him to. Yeah. And he is still making bank. Yep. Yeah, he is. Fucking insane. Um... Um, so what was that part where it said public schools do not say that kids are animals? Like, like they they are talking about how in public schools, like, they say that kids are animals and that evolution is God or some shit. And I was like, that's, that's not what they say. That's why I wrote it down. I was like, that's not what they say in public schools. I've been in a public school since I was in fourth grade. Like, <laughs> um, and then it also says that, you know, the uh, evolution, Evan- if evangelicals vote, they determine elections. Which is Look true. Look at where we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the kids go on a mission trip to Washington, D.C. They do a presentation against abortion. They're on the steps of the Supreme Court with the red tape over their mouths that say life. I mean, it's fucking weird. Yeah. This whole fucking movie is really weird. Um... Yeah, and then, like, also, uh, Rachel and Levi talk about how they're, you know, at peace with going with, like, going to war or whatever, and they're okay with dying, and that being a martyr is cool. These are fucking children. What? (laughs) And extreme liberals. Okay. Becky. Fucking Becky's, like, extreme liberals have to start looking at this and shaking their boots. Okay, bitch, I grew up like this. I am an extreme liberal. I'm an extreme liberal. Um, 
I, I'm not like well, girl. Scared. I mean, uh, girl, you you're on a podcast called the Feminist Critique. We know. I think that it, yeah. So like, I'm not scared of what they're doing to these kids. I'm disgusted because I had enough. I don't want to say strength of character because that's not right. I had enough. Like, I don't know. I could see past the bullshit. Mm-hmm. Not all these kids see past that shit, you know? Yeah. And they eat it up. And then they turn into these mindless zombies of people that don't have any personality beyond what they've been indoctrinated with. It's a very cult-like mentality. Which I have lived in a fucking cult. Yeah. Two whole weeks. <laughs> which I promised Ashley I would tell Okay, her do tell the cult story. Yay! So, here's the thing. Um, like I said, my parents had substance abuse, substance abuse issues. There's this place, I don't know if it exists anymore, but it's called Mount Hope, and it was in Oxford, New Jersey. Um, we, our church uh, pastor and his wife, who were considered my mom's best friends, uh, arranged for my mom to go up there because she was having a crisis of faith and having issues with her, you know, with her problems. And it was going to be me, my little brother, and my mom. We couldn't take our car up there. We had to go on an Amtrak, which was 11 hours. Then we got picked up from a station, and they took us into Oxford, New Jersey, into this compound. Um, And we were there two weeks. Okay. Um, The way it worked is parents, moms would get up at five in the morning, would study their Bible for an hour. Then they would be delegated to do duties. Like uh, maybe you were in the kitchen cooking. Maybe you had to do laundry. Um, You had certain rules and you had to be there a good six months before you could even get a day pass to go off of the, off of site. Um, Andrew was so young at the time that he still slept with my mom in the bed um, they would not let Andrew sleep, which is my little brother. They wouldn't let him sleep in the bed with my mom. He had to sleep in a boy's dormitory by himself. He was like three. Oh God. Yeah, like he was a t- he was a little baby toddler. <laughs> um, and I slept on the bunk above my mom. Our showers were limited to five minutes. We would eat breakfast, have Bible study after. The moms had already been up for an hour doing Bible study before they even started doing their chores. Then after Bible study, I went to school for about four hours. Mm -hmm. And then we had Bible study again. We had dinner. Um, We had lunch, like, right after we got out of school and then Bible study. Maybe some limited time activity. And then Bible study again, then dinner, then more Bible study. Maybe a movie on Saturdays. Like, it was a very structured environment. Um, so what my mom had decided was that she was going to, uh, have my dad send, put, put money away, like send money up. That way when she was finished with this 18 month program, she would have enough money to get back down and we could, you know, maybe fly that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, my mom has really severe allergies. So, she's allergic to basically every kind of detergent except Tide or Gain. Okay. Um, so, when it came time for them to do laundry... Oh, another thing that they did was they took our 
our uh, our suitcases and went through them, and they threw away shit that they said we couldn't have. Like they threw away um, like my Christian music CD cassettes because it was still cassettes at that time. Okay. Um, they threw away my Walkman. Oh my god. Yeah, like they went through our shit and they threw away what was not deemed proper for us to have. Threw it away, and there was nothing we could do about it. Lost it. Um, so that's the kind of thing. And then, like, we had to borrow people's clothes for, like, three or four days because they had our suitcases and was going through them and everything. Um, and Andrew had a sippy cup in one of the, one of the suitcases, and so our clothes ended up getting soured. And Mom was already having a hard enough time with the clothing that they had given us. Yeah. So she told them, like, I cannot use this detergent. I'm going to have to get different detergent. Well... We ended up convincing them to let us out of the compound to go to the grocery store and pick out the laundry detergent we needed. Mm -hmm. And one of the ladies went with us, had my mom's money in a, like, little tiny manila envelope. Well, we get to the grocery store, and I tell mom that I'm thirsty. And so my mom looks at the lady and she's like, hey, give me a, let me have a dollar out of that money so I can get my kids something to drink from the drink machine, right? She wouldn't let her. She said, no, that's not what we're here. We're here for you to get laundry detergent and that's it. You are not getting any of your money. Well, my mom hadn't been there that long. She wasn't brainwashed. <laughs> you know, she's like, excuse me, that's my money. I want to get my children something to drink. And the woman refused to do it. So, mom said, if you do not give me my money, I'm going to call the cops. Like, fuck you, give me my money. And the woman refused to do it. Mama started asking random ass strangers in the middle of fucking New Jersey. <laughs> we didn't know a soul. She kept asking people, hey, can I use, can I get money from you to use the payphone, blah, 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 blah. Well, finally, the woman relented and gave Mama the manila envelope with her money in it. Mom didn't go and get us a drink. She went straight to the payphone, told Dad, wire her some money to the Western Union. She was going home tonight. And we did. We, we got dropped off at the fucking bus station in Newark, New Jersey. I saw some guy walking up and down the sidewalk sniffing cocaine. <laughs> I, I had never been in a big city before, and here I am in the fucking middle of Newark, New Jersey, which at the time had a really high, like, crime rate. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Mom had to leave. I had to stay out front of the bus station because she had. I had to stay with the bags. So it's just me, fucking nine or ten years old, standing out there, on a fucking street in the middle of downtown Newark, New Jersey, at a bus station with three suitcases around me, holding onto them as tight as possible, praying I didn't get kidnapped while my mom had to go in and buy bus tickets. Because, like, the people in that church or compound or whatever, they literally just dropped us off with our bags and left. Oh, my <laughs> God. So my mom had no choice but to take my brother in there with her while I had to stay with the bags because they were putting the bags on the buses. Yeah. And, like, I had to stand there by myself <laughs> and while she went and got the tickets and shit. Yeah. It was crazy. Then it was a 24-hour bus ride home. 
Holy fuck. We had to stop a couple of times and switch over. Um, and then, like, we got to Wilmington and then, like, had an hour layover. We had nothing to eat the entire time except for the bag of candy that she had bought at the bus station. So when we stopped for an hour, we didn't even have any money to get anything to eat because Mama had used all the money to get us bus tickets. So oh this man, God. oh, God, he was such a kind man. He, you know, Mama didn't eat. And, like, she didn't order herself anything to eat. And this man just looked at her and gave her $5. We were at a Waffle House in fucking Wilmington, North Carolina. Gave her $5 and said, please get you something to eat. Because me and Andrew had shared, like, a plate of hash browns and some eggs. Oh, my God. All we could afford. And then we came home. Holy fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, ma'am! And we're back. Okay. Um, So... Uh, the uh, when that story was insane, holy shit! Yeah, um, that's that's uh, that's what happened to me though. So I was in a cult for two weeks, managed to get out before we were brainwashed because that's what cults do—they break you down. Yeah, they give you structure. They make you, you know, basically lose that identity, so you're part of a group thing. And my mom was totally against it. So, so we get back to the ring of fire in the movie, right? And uh, Becky calls into the radio station and discusses the kids that she's, well, you know, brainwashing. And uh, he he calls her out on that, like that she's indoctrinating children. She doesn't give a shit either. She's like, you can tell you can tell a child anything. You can make a child a soldier. We are and we are creating children soldiers. And he says something to the effect of, "Yeah, you're making children soldiers for the Republican Party." And she's like, "I'm not going after our kids and telling them to be political, bitch. Yes, you are." <laughs> after after she has a guy that's pro life do a whole fucking stint about how we have to save America from the sin of abortion. <laughs> And how we have to pray over George Bush and all this shit. And she's like, I'm not telling them to be political. Uh, And then, like, he talks about the separation of church and state and how that indoctrination is going to bleed over and really fuck us up. And uh, I don't know. It's kind of happening. She says, equal freedom equals destruction. Equal freedom equals destruction. So she's... Yeah. Fuck her. Um, Then someone says something about how the most religious nation in the world is India. The least religious nation in the world is Sweden. We are a nation of Indians ruled by Swedes. Okay. Let's take a look at that, right? Okay. Sweden. One of the most prosperous countries. uh, Low crime rate. Higher happiness index, universal health care, better overall quality of life than in the United States, or India. India, very, very crowded, still relies on a caste system in those parts, probably one of the most destructive rape cultures out there as far as a country. Um, like, I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to be racist, but I don't want to live in a country like that. Yeah. Like, I would rather live in a kind of Sweden. You know, except Sweden 
tends to be a little racist. But, like, if we could have the same kind of structure as Sweden but not be racist. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's... There's a... Racism is something that's quite prevalent. And, I mean, in its own... um, There's a lot of colorism in India. Yeah. So, it... I guess what I'm trying to say is that... Um, okay, first of all, no country is perfect. Um, no. We're not talking, like, when we say this, uh, we're just, you know, quoting the movie, right? But, um, like, because everybody looks at, you know, India, there's a lot of stereotypes that come out of there, right? Um, yeah. India is definitely one of the most, like, it's it's got a lot of issues, mostly because it's overcrowded. Like, it's one of the most overcrowded nations in the world. Yeah. And when you have people people living on top of each other like that, like, shit gets, you know, fucked up. But they have, you know, a democratic system. They also are still trying to recover from British occupation that only ended in the 30s. Exactly. So, like, so, there's, there's a lot of issues and, like, th- <laughs> colonialism has fucked them up. Exactly. Yeah. The so. and the, and like when you look at the history behind it and like um and like really go into it, it is goddamn white people. They ruin everything. I know. <laughs> um so anyways, uh so then the movie kind of ends and, and it it talks about well, first of all, it talks about how um, what's his name got uh, into the Supreme Court, which we now know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the song "Spirit in the Sky" comes on. Now, fun fact about that song: it was not rich, written by a Christian. It was actually no. written. It was actually written by a man who was Jewish, but he wrote a Christian song because he knew that it would make money. Isn't that also on Guardians of the Galaxy? The Spirit of the Sky, Spirit oh, yeah. of the Sky song. Yeah, it is yeah. on the soundtrack. Yeah, that's what it reminded me of. This is also the part where you kind of see an end credit scene where Rachel and her friends are doing the the thing, and she's like, she goes up to those black men, and she's like, "If you're gonna die right now in this moment, where do you think you'd go?" And the guy goes, "Heaven," and she goes, "Really?" And he goes, "Yeah, sure." And then she's like, "Oh, okay. Have a nice day." And then she looks at her friends and goes, "I think they were Muslim." Like, and I'm what like the holy fuck. fuck. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so we're not actually going to do the tests. And the reason for that is because these are real people. And, um, the movie's a, the movie's a documentary. It's not a fictional tale. It's, it's telling real stories here. So, um, but Gracie has a very fun, where are they now trivia? Yeah. So, uh, the 10 year old blonde kid who, goes to the front of the church and explains that he's abandoned God, he's fake, it makes him feel guilty. Um, I mentioned his name earlier is Andrew Summerkamp. Summerkamp? Yeah. Whatever. Um, he abandoned evangelical Christianity and sort of became a hippie. He's into an alternative faith that relies on psychedelic drugs. Um, so that in itself is harmful because what this kind of upbringing does to you is like usually you'll shed... You'll shed one type of belief for another and it's not necessarily healthier 
Um, he also doesn't see what happens to him as child abuse, but he does say that there is a toxicity to it. Yeah. Uh, then we have Levi O'Brien. He is a minister. He's the one that was doing the child sermon. Yeah, the know, one with the rat sermon. tail. Yeah. The, um, he works for World Revival Ministries as of a 2016 interview with The Guardian. Um, Becky Fisher says that while she believes the over-sensationalized and over that they over-sensationalized and over-politicized the camp, she was satisfied with it. And uh, that's that's um, something that a lot of evangelicals say when they watch this movie. They're like, "Yeah, it's a little over sensationalized, but it's it's good. It 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 represents me, to, for the most part." Um, she said after the film's release and its Oscar nomination, she was sent emails about her child abusing ways and her brainwashing and her indoctrination, and she said. For the first time in my life, I could truly relate to Jewish people seeing how a Holocaust could have its embryonic beginnings. Bitch, no. She said what she was going through was similar to what Jews went through during the Holocaust. This victim mentality, we see it right now. Yeah. They have a victim complex a lot of them and then like, they and then they say oh stop playing the victim but they to have women who are talking about their like their sexual assaults oh you guys are just being victims we're the real victims here bitch no yeah it's like uh what's going on right now with um the him too shit the him too or mothers who are like, I'm afraid for my son to have a false ra- uh, rape accusation. I don't know. Maybe teach your fucking son not to rape women. Maybe teach them how to actually respect women and not um, that if they're going to be in a room alone with a woman, uh, woman <laughs> with a woman, they're, uh, you know, automatically their first thing is to rape them. Like, holy shit. There's also this whole thing where like, you know how people are scared of sharks because shark attacks don't happen that often, right? Yeah. And so when they do, they're sensationalized. Yeah. It's kind of the same as false rape ap- accusations. They do not happen often, but when they do, they get sensationalized. And so people have this fear of sharks in the same way they have this fear of false rape, rape accusations. It's irrational because it doesn't happen that often. But because it happens so little, it gets a lot of attention whenever it does happen. More so than the more common stuff. Yeah. Like jellyfish stings. Or, you know, sexual assault in the case, you know, to go with the metaphor. Yeah. Um, Now, uh, Becky no longer holds church uh, at that camp because the owners uh, didn't allow her to rent it for her ministry again. And uh, it was also vandalized, but uh, she has a company called uh, Kids Ministry International. Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel, uh, who was the one that talked about dead churches and stuff like that and had the chick tracks, she actually turned against extreme evangelical Christianity. Um, As of a 2016 article? Yes. Yep. Um, in that same Guardian article or something very similar to it, it came out in 2016. Um, she even made a video about it, about how she, you know, like, just didn't, she had a crisis of faith probably in the same manner I did, um, 
she was studying to be an English teacher. So probably by now she is one. Yep. And then Tori. And then we have Tori. Oh, yeah. She is still... Um, she is still a dancer and then uh as of 2014 she was a sophomore in college studying dance and communications and she is still on that jesus train so oh poor girl rachel who was probably the most extreme uh child in this movie ended up being the one that left well i think when you are like especially as a child when you are like you know, extreme with that sort of thing, you do have that moment of like, huh, maybe this isn't quite right. Like being indoctrinated at 10 years old, like you can't think straight at 10 years old. You're too busy worrying about other things that are way more important. Children are not mature enough. I also think she was the only one that was not, out of the three, was the only one that was not homeschooled. Hmm. Because she talks about how she goes to school and kids pick on her. Oh, yeah. So I think it stands to reason that because she had that real world exposure, she was able to have her stuff questioned. And she was able to question herself and her faith and stuff like that. I feel that's healthy. You know? Like, even, like, even liberals indoctrinate their children. Maybe not in this manner, but they do do it. So... It's healthy for people to have, you know, an understanding of an opposing viewpoint. Yeah, and people with different, like, knowing different opinions and... Exactly. So, that's... I'm not saying that you have to agree with them, but it is necessary as a society to understand someone who thinks differently from you. For it to be a productive society. Yeah. But, as it stands right now, we're in a huge that of tribalism and it's like as it stands right now i have friends who are republicans who do not agree with basically anything that republicans are doing now but you would think that because of what's going on in washington that everyone is like either all the way republican or all the way democrat and like I don't even describe myself as a Democrat. I describe myself as a liberal progressive who just happens to vote Democrat. But I have voted for Republicans before. I will say that I would not put my vote to any Republican now because of how disgusting they are in Washington. (laughs) Yeah. But I know people who are Republicans who have a very liberal outlook on things. They also think that, you know, Medicare or Medicaid for all is a good idea. Um, just a, a quick note um, before we, we head out soon. Uh, Mount Hope Ministry is still open. Oh, joy. Yeah. So well, don't go there. <laughs> They got some really nice pictures there, though. It looks real nice in the fall. I think that website is old as hell. Oh, yeah. It's a tripod website. I don't even know if it's at, like actually still going on because this they website... They don't have any kind of Facebook page or anything like that. So I think that they do. It's just... It's not good. <laughs> like oh, I, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, that's... 
that was my story. <laughs> yeah. So, we got to delve into Gracie's past a lot today. Sorry if it wasn't as hilarious as last episode. Yeah, last episode was a lot hella more hilarious. This one. I think, we'll, I think we'll have some fun with God's Not Dead next week. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> and Saving Christmas. Oh, Saving Christmas is going to be a fucking riot. Yeah, that one's actually um, going to be like, because um, we're going to be doing it at the end of November. So, yeah, like when you guys are hearing this, we we are doing this uh, October 13th. So a full, <laughs> like pretty much a full month before this is coming out. So, yeah. yeah. And God's Not Dead, we're probably going to do in the next couple of days because we kind of have to be done by the time. 22nd i think like well no the 20th we have to be done uh by the end of this week by friday and uh that's we only have one more to record so so if we could get it done before the 19th because that's my last or no the 18th um probably get it done a couple days from now but that's that's not for you guys that's for us (laughs) yeah Um, because i'm moving that's it for this episode um, people are gonna love this episode if they're against evangelical Christianity, and they're going to hate it if evangelical Christians decided to give it a listen. They but, probably won't. No, I doubt it. We, we well, like, well, of, one uh, of our regular listeners is she's not uh like an evangelical Christian, but she is Catholic, and uh, if she's still listening, I love you. <laughs> But she's probably not going to like our opinions. Which is fine. That's okay. (laughs) I still love you, though. Um, So that's the end of the episode. I'm thinking that while I have these three weeks, I'll start uploading our old episodes onto YouTube. Because we do have a YouTube through our um, Gmail. Because Google and YouTube are together. So... That way it's another avenue where you can find us. We are on iTunes. We are on Google Play. We are on Spotify. Um, and a couple of other independent podcast hosting apps. Um, if you want to contact us, you can contact us through our uh, email, which is thefeministcritiquepodcast at gmail.com. Our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash thefeministcritique. I am on Twitter at South of Grace. And we are also on Twitter as Feminist Critique without that E at the end. We're on Tumblr as the Feminist Critique Podcast. And uh, I am both on Twitter and uh, Instagram as Ajlene's, A-I-S-L-E-N-E. And if you want to also check out uh, my new radio station, um, I'm probably not on there because I'm on vacation at the moment uh, by the time this comes up. But you can check it out. It is written. Shit, I was. It is country nine seven seven point seven, and uh, that is in Saint Paul, Alberta. So you can maybe check that out or not. I don't know. I'm not very good at this. Whatever. <laughs> um, and that's it. So we will see you next week. We will be doing God's Not Dead. Kevin Sorbo. Woo. Woo. Wonder what Hercules. he's been up to since Hercules. Hercules what happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, we'll talk to anyway. you guys later. <laughs> Bye. Bye.